Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Sermons podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. Today's sermon is called Zooming Out, and it's based on Romans 6, 12 through 23. The supplemental reading is Micah 7, 14 through 20. This is the fourth service in the season of Easter when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Our worship services take place every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in our building at 819 John Adams Street, which is the corner of 9th and John Adams Streets in Oregon City, Oregon. You can also worship with us via Facebook live stream at facebook.com slash onebaptistchurch. For more information or to financially support the mission and ministry of our church, please visit our website at onebaptistchurch.org. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. If you've ever seen a picture that was zoomed in too far, you can kind of tell. Um, you, can, you can see that the resolution on the picture is not high enough to handle that intensity of magnification. Uh, I, my undergrad is in journalism, and so I would see pictures a lot of times that our, our photographers would take and because that was in those hale and hearty years of 2002 to 2006 that I was in college and working on newspaper things, I, I can't believe how far camera technology has come that the camera that is in this phone would have cost something in the ballpark of two to $3,000 or more in 2002 and would have just been a camera, not a camera and a music player and a, uh, an instrument that you can use to play solitaire and by the way, a phone. <clears throat> but when we would get these pictures back in from our photographers and you try to crop them and enlarge them and everything like that, it was difficult because sometimes in doing that, it would distort the picture. And whenever you, you distort, whenever you zoom in on something that wasn't meant to have that level of focus on it, you start to get distortion. Where's he going with this? Well, let me tell you. Around the time of, of Good Friday, Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus' resurrection, we start to say something like this. Jesus died for our sins. What's the point of, of, of the whole weekend? That Jesus died for our sins. And that's not wrong. That's, that's true. That's the gospel truth. That Jesus died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures. It's what Paul always says. But when that is the only thing that you've zoomed in on, and this is what you do on an iPhone to zoom in on things. I don't, I've never had an Android, so I don't know about that. I'm not just up here making weird hand motions. Whenever you zoom in on something and make it the sole focus, it distorts it. Because what happens when we say something like the only, the main point of the crucifixion and the resurrection is Jesus died for our sins. 
then that takes Jesus' saving work on the cross and God's raising of Jesus from the dead and makes it simply, A, a transaction. Well, somebody had to die for our sins. Well, it just so happened to be Jesus. And so, bada-bing, here we are with salvation. It turns it into a transaction and it makes it exclusively personal. And when you reduce it down that much, it distorts it. Because this isn't how Scripture speaks of forgiveness. This isn't how Scripture speaks of sin. This isn't how Scripture speaks of what happened that weekend in Jerusalem. When we look at sin, we have to look at what the whole of Scripture has to say about sin. When we look at forgiveness, we have to look at what all of Scripture has to say about forgiveness. So let's start with the question, what is sin? (laughs) And what we're doing today is, is a very surface level inspection of what Scripture has to say about sin. Because this could very easily be kind of a very, a much longer seminar that I will not subject you all to this morning. You're welcome. The, the Greek word for sin used by Paul in the passage that was just read is hamartia. Hamartia means missing the mark. And I know a little something about missing the mark because I was the West Virginia high school dart throwing champion in 2002. That sound you just heard was Katie rolling her eyes into the back of her head because we were the only high school in the state of West Virginia who had a dart team and I was better than my sister who had the disadvantage of trying to throw darts upward from a wheelchair. It's not that big of an accomplishment. But to miss the mark in the sense of hamartia does not just mean that you don't hit the bullseye. It means that you miss the dartboard altogether. That you've thrown the dart into the wall or you've thrown the dart you know, next to the board, but you've scored no points. And it was an archery term that if you were trying to hit a target, your arrow flew over, under, next to, hopefully not into someone, (laughs) but your arrow completely missed the target. Now, what target are we missing when we sin? Sin is not the adherence to a... Sin is not failing to adhere to a strict moral code. Sin is missing the mark of being genuinely human. Let me explain. In Genesis chapter 1, we're going all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, because in Genesis chapter 1, we are tasked with reflecting the image of God into the world. That is one of the responsibilities of all of humanity. Not just us, not just people at the Episcopal Church across the alley, 
But all of humanity is tasked with reflecting the image of God into the world. And when we do this, the world sees the glory of God and the world operates within the love and care of the stewardship that God uses to care for the world. And so it's not that sin is a failure to be good, it's a failure to be human in that we abdicate, we give up on our responsibility to be human, to reflect God's image in the world. Think about it. Whenever we lie and we don't tell the truth, that is abdicating, that is is giving up on being the image of God in the world. We know who God is because we've met Jesus. And when we do something that is not Christ-like, that's sin. Sin is not a failure to be good. It's a failure to be truly human. And there is personal sin in which each of us have failed to miss this mark. And that makes us guilty of sin. I want to to take an aside here and tell you this, however. The defining characteristic of humanity is not that we are sinners. The defining characteristic of humanity is not our brokenness. The defining characteristic of humanity is our goodness in our being created by God to reflect God's image to the world. And that is why It is such a tragedy when we see things like war is because it is humanity destroying the image of God in the world, which is other humanity. If we were all just wretched sinners, then it wouldn't be a big deal for things like war to happen and we could write it off a lot easier. But if we're made in the image of God and we are supposed to bear this image of God out into the world, to care for the world, to love the world, to love people, and we fail to do so, that's sin and it's a tragedy. Furthermore, Scripture talks of personal sin and the way that we fail to miss this mark. But when we fail to miss this mark together, we create systemic sin or like the bigger picture of sin. And this is where we're zooming out. We're zooming out to get the right picture of sin and to get the clearest picture we can of how it needs to be dealt with. Because humanity has been called by God to reflect God's image in the world And because God loves us and cares for us, we love and care for each other, and we have built systems in our world to love and care for one another. Those systems could include um, governments. Those systems can include school systems. Those systems can include lots of, those systems can include churches. And when, when we 
build systems to care for people in the image of God. And we build those systems with people who are broken, people who have, have missed the mark of humanity, of reflecting God's image into the world, those systems then become broken as well. And it's for this reason that we shouldn't be afraid to admit when the systems that we benefit from are themselves broken. It's okay for us to acknowledge that the people who went before us enslaved other humans and treated them like property. It's okay to admit that the people who went before us built systems in our our government and in our courts and in our world that allow some people to be treated better than others. Because once we deal with that honestly, then we can deal with how do we then bring new life into it. Because this is where the turn happens, is we have to be willing, and this is confession, we have to be willing to admit, own up to, and deal with how we have missed the mark individually, how we have missed the mark societally, and then we have to be willing to deal with it. Now, how do we deal with it? What Paul talks about in the passage that we just read is not letting sin control the way we live. And to not let sin control the way we live, we need forgiveness. And that forgiveness then has to come through Jesus. Sin is a symptom of rebellion, rebellion, sin. It's all the way that we talk about the dark power that exists within God's good creation. Scripture doesn't have great specific language for it. And so when we read this passage in Romans chapter 6 and we hear the word sin over and over and over again, if we're conditioned in our life to think that sin is just a personal thing, it's just me screwing up, it's just me being a bad person, I'm not being good, and when I've not been good, I sin. If that's all we've ever heard, then we hear this strictly as personal. But if we understand that Paul uses this word sin, hamartia, to talk about personal sin, societal sin, the condition that the world is in called sin, then we know that in the death and resurrection of Jesus, which defeated the dark powers that hold our world in its grip, held our world in its grip. When Jesus dealt with these dark powers, part of what he dealt with was the forgiveness of sins. Last week I mentioned that in Jesus, we have the new exile, that God's people had constantly been idolaters. They had constantly strayed from the ways that, that God had lined out for them to live. 
And as a result of the, the, the sin, the consequences were they were taken into exile in Babylon. And even though the people had come back, there was this idea that the exile wasn't entirely over because there were still foreign powers that were in charge of God's people. In Jesus' time, it was Rome. There's always some guy on a horse who's in charge of someone else. No offense to horses, it's not their fault. And so as as Jesus defeats the dark powers, he completes the exile that God's presence returned to live among God's people. And with the return of God's presence comes the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins means our world has been set free to fully welcome the new creation that comes through Jesus Christ. Because in the center of this defeat, we have the coronation of the king on the cross. And then we have the vindication of Jesus Christ. And everything that he said and everything that he did and everything that he stood for. And in the middle, in the unexpected moment, in the middle of a fallen, sinful, good but broken world, comes the new life of the age to come, raised to life by God in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is the good news, that forgiveness of sins means that we can engage with this new creation. The forgiveness of sins sets us free from the dark power. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, not to let sin control your life because Jesus has sorted that out. In James Joyce's book, The Dubliners, there is a, uh, there's a story that's told. It's, it's the very last story in the book. It's called The Dead. And it's a, a story inside a story that's inside a collection of short stories. Um, so we're, we're a few layers deep here. And in this, this story that someone inside this story is telling, an old man uh, wanted to participate in the... They called it the pensioners parade. We would call it a Veterans Day parade. And so he bought a horse that had been used uh, at, a, at a children's kind of fun fair. They tied it to a post and it walked around in circles around this post. That's all it could do. It was, it was tied to the post. It had a circular pin and it would just walk around in circles. You put kids on the back, happy days. And so the horse would go around and he bought this horse. The guy was getting rid of it. And so he trained the horse, took a long time to train the horse very carefully to walk in a straight line. He spent a year teaching the horse to walk in a straight line and not in a circle. So Pensioner's Day, Veterans Day came and he put on his, squeezed himself into his suit and he shined up all of his medals and he got on his horse and he trotted into the town 
and the horse got into the town, into the town square where there was a fountain. Think kind of like Trafalgar Square in London. And there was a fountain and there was a circle and the horse saw something that was familiar and he just starts trotting around and around in a circle. And this perfectly illustrates the freedom that we have in Christ is that we don't have to be this horse walking around in a circle over and over and over again. Our world doesn't operate that, any, operate that way anymore. We have been set free from this circle of walking around and around and around because we have been so trained by the dark powers that live in rebellion of God that we think that we are constantly in control of this. But through Jesus, we are not. Through Jesus, these dark powers don't control us anymore because we have been forgiven. We have been forgiven and we have been set free. And we know that we can now give ourselves to the new life in Jesus. That when we have participated in the death, when we have crucified this rebellion within ourselves and have been brought new life in Jesus, that these dark powers have no control over us anymore. Forgiveness then allows us to be set free to see what God is doing to bring new life into the world. One of the things that I think people struggle with right now, and I kind of had a conversation about this before, uh, before worship. It is a complete coincidence that this is showing up in the sermon. One of the things that people are struggling with right now is where do we have hope? Because we are so conditioned to see the work of the dark powers in our world. But if we realize that there is forgiveness in Christ and that the dark powers are, are on their way towards destruction, that someday Christ is going to return and those dark powers are going to be banished once and for all, and that new creation is going to be made in its fullness. But in our current world, God works every day for this new life to burst forth into our world. And sometimes it happens like a volcano erupting and we see a big eruption of God's new creation coming into our world. Sometimes it happens like champagne bubbles, these little tiny bubbles rising to the surface and popping here and there. And it doesn't matter the size, it just matters that it's happening and that we're noticing and that we are participating in it and that we are perpetuating it. And Michael's story earlier of generosity at the grocery store is a perfect illustration of little ways. It's a little champagne bubble of God's new life bursting into the world. And if you don't like champagne, you can, you can call it a soda, a soda bubble, or you can call it, uh, I don't know, whatever fizzy drink you like, these um, LaCroix that tastes like uh, they've ridden in. If they're watermelon flavored, it's like there's a watermelon in the truck and there's just the slightest hint of watermelon. 
It doesn't matter because this is God's new world just bursting into ours. And when we have eyes to see it through forgiveness, when we give up on being pulled down by the dark powers that seek to enslave us, then we have eyes to see and we can get involved with what God's doing. Because the other thing that Paul says is that forgiveness binds us to new life in Jesus. And boy, this is the good news. This is the good news because he uses the slave illustration to speak to people in Rome. Slavery was just a thing. It wasn't even questioned in Rome. And you could be a slave because you hadn't been able to pay your bills and so you sold yourself into slavery. Or you could have been taken as the spoils of war. One way or another, slavery was for life. And they owned you. And there was no respite unless somebody came and bought you and decided to set you free. And this is one of the ways that we talk about forgiveness is that we are no longer slaves to the dark power, but we are bound to the new life in Jesus. And we may struggle. We may have moments where we, we find ourselves living in rebellion. We, we may find ourselves still struggling to reflect God's image in the world, in love, in generosity, in goodness, in care, in stewardship. We may find ourselves aligning with, with systems in our world that seek to oppress people. We may find ourselves aligning with systems in our world that say that you have a greater value the lighter skin color you have. We may find ourselves aligning with oppressive systems in our world that seek to destroy nature for economic profit. But let me tell you that when we realize this and when we turn from this, you can do this without shame. You can do this without guilt because we have been set free by Jesus Christ. And we are bound to the new creation by this forgiveness that's offered by the defeat of Jesus, by the defeat that Jesus did to the dark powers and the new life that God did through the resurrection. And this is what Romans 6.23 is talking about. That sin brings death. That whenever we fail to reflect God's image into the world, death happens. It happens in us spiritually. It happens in us physically. The wages of sin and death, trees get cut down, rivers get polluted. People get slaughtered. But when we grab hold of this forgiveness, when we die to those old ways and are raised by God into new life in the spirit, that new life fills us and it brings us to true life. And just like Jesus, we are God's new creation, alive and well in this world. We are God's new creation, extending the care and love of God into the world. 
We are this individually. We are this as God's people, First Baptist Church. We are this as God's people, the global movement of new creation within our world. And the sooner we realize this, the sooner we can crack on with the good work that God has prepared for us to do, Ephesians chapter 2, the sooner we realize this, the sooner we can start being people that God is using to heal our families, our world, our neighborhoods. And so the question today is how do we take a hold of that new life? How is God calling you towards forgiveness? How is God calling you to realize that you are beloved, that you are good, that we may be a little broken and a little rough around the edges, but that's nothing compared to the power of the resurrection. Because the forgiveness of sins is God's way of setting the world straight. And when we allow that forgiveness to take hold of us, then we become part of God's new creation, now and in the age to come.